What's going on, guys? Welcome back to another episode of the Plus One Mentality Podcast. I'm your host, Tyler Newton. And before we get started, guys, I would just like to thank all of you guys for your support. Uh, we are actually very close to hitting over 900 downloads. And without your uh, shares on social media, without you guys leaving reviews on Spotify and Apple, we would not be here today. So I just want to remind you guys, if you can, keep sharing the podcast on social media. Give it to a friend. Let them hear it whenever you know or you hear an episode that is going to really resonate with that friend. And as always, please leave us a five-star review on Apple or Spotify, and we really appreciate that. Uh, joining us today, though, we do have a special guest. We have Mr. Taylor Vincent from Norman, Oklahoma. Uh, he is a health and nutrition coach, and uh, he's got some really good things for us to go over today. But before we hop into the main meat of this podcast, uh, I just want to introduce Taylor, let you guys get to know him a little bit. And uh, as always, Taylor, thank you for joining us today, man. How's it going? Thanks, Tyler. Uh, it's a pleasure to be on your podcast. It's going well. Um, weather in Oklahoma is all over the place. So one day is completely different from the next. So I'm fortunate enough that we're in uh, like a really good spring mood right now, and I'm definitely feeling it as well. Got lots yeah. of business things going in different directions, and so I'm really happy to share what I've been thinking about and working on today. So, yeah, man, we uh, we we had a lot of rain and humidity early in the week here in Charleston, and then all of a sudden it got colder and sunnier. And I'm like, that's kind of the opposite of how it normally goes. Normally, when it gets sunnier down here in April, it, it gets a lot warmer. But we've had absolutely perfect weather here this week. So. Um, but I keep hearing other people around the country are getting snow right now in April. And that, that to me is just unfathomable. I could not imagine, imagine living in a place that's getting snow right now in the middle of April. That's wild, but I would love to ski right now too. <laughs> <laughs> that's the one thing I've never done. I've actually never skied in my life, at least on snow. I've, I've skied on, on water, but I've never been snow skiing. A group of uh, my best friends, I always pitch to them the perfect the perfect way we could do our, our yearly vacations could be um, one year we go to the beach and the opposite year we go to the mountains to ski. That would be perfect because in March you can do both. So um, uh, I've never surfed, but skiing is definitely uh, so much fun. Well, I'll, I'll teach you how to surf if you teach me how to ski. How does that sound? I have a background of hockey, so I don't know. It just comes natural. <laughs> I that's what I think too. I, I think surfing, if you if you are at the right beach with powerful enough waves, it's actually really easy to pick up on. Uh, especially if you've like snowboarded or skied. Um, but at the same time, you're on water instead of hard, hard right. surface. So it can be a little tricky at first, mm -hmm. but I, I think you having that uh hockey background probably would help you out with that balance. Good help. Uh not too long ago, I got a, a, a longboard, like skateboard. Um ah. Won a local, or I was third place in a local competition. So prize was a was a skateboard, and funny enough, like a month after, I actually fell off of it, hurt my <laughs> hamstring, and then uh, months went by, and and the I was living with the with the group of people, and so they were all thanking me so much for coming third place because I had won a longboard that everyone was using, but it had injured me. So um, I've gotten better at longboarding, so I think surfing wouldn't be too bad. No, nah, not at all. I think that'd be a pretty easy transition for you overall. So, um, well, awesome, brother. Um, well, dude, I, I kind of want to give our listeners a little background information on you. So give us a little, uh, you know, brief introduction into how you got into health and nutrition and, and what your, your background is with how you came about in the industry. I love to, um, cause it's a story of my life. So that's, it's a fun thing just to say, here's, here's what I am in this world. Um, I grew up playing ice hockey. I'm from South Louisiana, but I played ice hockey. So I always joke that I grew up playing on the frozen swamps, which is obviously not true, but um, played just about every sport imaginable growing up. So just always had athletics, sports, uh, you know, I guess general physical fitness in my life. Um, I'm into nutrition now, but that was never something that I grew up with. I was like super picky eater, uh, come from, uh, actually a family of like rice farmers, crawfish farmers. So oh, wow. a ton of rice in my life and <laughs> just about anything you can add, um, or anything that you can eat, I'll add rice to it. 
Um, but growing up, so ice hockey kind of brought me all through the country. I went to a boarding school in Florida to play ice hockey. I took two gap years between high school and college to play ice hockey. I played junior hockey up in the, the Northeast in Massachusetts, New Hampshire. And then I actually went on and played club hockey at Penn State. So ice hockey was like the vehicle that, that you know, it was my mission. It was my purpose for a long time. Uh, once I got to Penn State, I got into engineering. So that was another reason I, I chose club hockey route. That way I could pursue my education uh, just with my just with my level of play. Um, it was either NCAA Division three or club. So I went the club route. I got into petroleum engineering, of all things, uh, which actually connects back to being from South Louisiana. Um, all the men in my family wore steel toe boots. So somehow <laughs> I ended up in them, too. Um so yeah, hockey ended at the end of uh, undergrad. I worked a few years in the Gulf of Mexico. So I was actually pursuing my, my degree. I was an engineer offshore. And uh, it was about that time whenever um, some, there's like a phrase that I really have hung on to lately. And it's this, uh, like this progression from job to career to calling. So I like that like previous to working offshore, I was still very much in the job mode. There was not a thing I wouldn't try, whether it was sports or like business pursuits, like in the summer, like there was nothing I wouldn't try. So a ton of jobs got into a career. I left my athletic career behind, got into a career path and uh, things went fine. Two and a half, three years. I, I really enjoyed what I did. It was very like stimulating. I had to work really hard. A part of it was very prideful too, being a being a guy from South Louisiana, and all my family had done it. Um, but there was just something missing. Uh, I was working really, really hard, a lot. This is at a time whenever the industry had come down. So, despite my, you know, besides my academic pursuit or career, all my qualifications, I only had one option of work, and uh, so I went there, worked super hard. But uh, I started losing connection with like who I was, the purpose I was here on earth for. Um, I never really realized that maybe like leaving hockey behind uh, would, would do something. But there was like that mission that I was no longer on. So I was in this career mode and it just wasn't enough. So I actually decided to uh, step away from that that work. I, I, I um, applied for grad school here in uh, Norman, Oklahoma. So uh, just down the street right here is uh, OU. In fact, I just went on a walk a few minutes ago and it was awesome. Like students are walking around in shorts, everyone's smiling and stuff. So um, I came to grad school here for master's in petroleum engineering. Again, it was more like uh, I didn't think I was taking a step forward or back. I just needed to kind of reroute the path all along that way. I got into nutrition of all things. So whenever I was working offshore, um, I, I started to kind of get into CrossFit and more like functional fitness, but I realized there was, I, I couldn't actually go to and go into a gym all the time just cause I was working, you know, three or four, you know, three to four weeks in a row every time. So I was like, what can I improve on? So nutrition was kind of hot at the time. Macro coaching was huge. So I actually got into it as a client. Uh, just really, really loved it, really enjoyed self-improvement, got into all the self-development books, all that sort of stuff. So it was more of a, a side effect of trying to figure out my own route in life. Um, I realized, hey, this nutrition thing is really interesting. So I looked into getting a certification. Uh, so I went to Precision Nutrition, super well known. Um at this point, I think I got to know myself better as a human and started to realize like, I'm, I think I'm here to like be with people. I think I'm here to connect with people. I never viewed myself as a coach or a point of authority, but I got so deep into it that I just started naturally helping people without realizing. So that was a powerful moment. Um, there was a point when friends, family started asking for help. Uh, this is around the time, you know, COVID, lockdown, all that stuff. And so I just had this opportunity and I just I launched it. I, I had a business, started coaching people, and it's really just taken its own life since then. Grad school, nutrition, local fitness community. And so I was just doing it all for a while. 
and uh, now it's now it's basically my full full time thing. So I've left I've left my my uh, degree behind me, and I'm pursuing uh, health and fitness now. That's awesome, man. So so what was it about health and fitness where you, you really made the connection of hey I, I could turn this passion, so to speak, it into a job. Like what was that aha moment where you knew you wanted to start helping people with their nutrition? So it, this was the career to calling moment. And it was just when I was struggling to do anything research wise, and I would just spend hours and hours and hours and hours either reading about nutrition, or I would procrastinate other responsibilities to message my clients at the time. And so that was it. It, it was just um, there. There's only so much of this do what you love that I could consume before it was obvious to me that this was my calling. And it right. And, I, and I'm at the point now where it's not even necessarily nutrition. It's simply just connecting with humans through our health, our fitness, our nutrition, our mindsets. And so, I, you know, I throw out a bunch of big terms there, but that's actually where I'm going. And so we'll def I know I know we're going to get into like what I consider deep, deep health. So that's where I'm at now. I'm just connecting. I'm just, whenever I realize I, I wanted to communicate and connect with humans through health, that, that was it. I couldn't, I couldn't stop. Gotcha. So when, when you went through like with precision nutrition and, and got your certification there, um, was there, was there anything that you found like lacking with how you were learning about health and then like applying that to clients? Like, how was that for you? Cause, cause I know with us in our strong and shredded community, um, you know, we're really big on the actual application of, of health. Uh, we, we can tell our clients all the science, we can give them all the education, but you know, they, at the end of the day, just want results. Right. And so for me, I, I've also often found that the best coaches are the ones that are able to really take the application of what they know and apply it to each individual client, because, while we do try to niche down in in our careers with who we help, um, you know, no two clients are really the same. You know, they're all slightly different. They all have slightly different starting points and where they need to go. So for you, like, what was that like having to learn not only the education side, but how to apply it with clients? Right. It was actually interesting because when I was an undergrad studying petroleum engineering, I, for whatever reason at the time decided to take nutrition, like nutrition 101, whatever it was, it totally didn't fit my degree path. And at this point I wasn't interested in any of that, like fitness or macro stuff that, that came years later. So for whatever reason, like my education on nutrition started earlier than I thought. So like that was already, that was already a subconscious sign that maybe I was interested in this. So it started out very, very nutrition science, like. Okay. Uh, very impractical. And, and where I'm going is when I get when I got to nutrition, uh, precision nutrition. So it started off like in a university setting, just taking a 101 class, extremely at the time, not practical, but deep knowledge. And then actually, when I became a client, a nutrition client, it was macro based coaching. And it, it was extremely effective for me. Uh, there was pros and cons behind that. And I mean, we can talk about that later if you want. But um, so at that point it, it became more practical, but it was just like one system of nutrition. So, and whenever I got actually to a certification, uh, there wasn't anything lacking in the precision nutrition level one certification. It was actually just deep enough of nutrition science, which I'd already learned and, uh, traces of my client experience kept showing up in the L1. So it was actually kind of the perfect marriage of science stuff and application uh, what was even more helpful for me actually was taking the level two certification. Um, nice. I'm a level two coach from Precision Nutrition. So that that actually expanded it out for a whole year. And I was really fortunate. I had a great group of clients at the time. So I was constantly learning, practicing, learning, practicing. And uh, also to, to get deeper into the science there, deeper into the practice of coaching people because each person is unique. So they were able to go way more in depth with like certain things. And then also in that also got a lot of the business, um, not deep business, but like insightful things about how to run a, a coaching business or how to be into the uh, health industry as, as a coach or as a business. So 
it, it kind of came from educational, super science-y all the way towards practical application. And, and that's where I sit now where um, I, I think there's like a huge mix up in our industry, like the barrier to entry is low uh, to some degree. So you have plenty of people with lots of certifications now. Yes. And, and that's a good thing and a bad thing. But uh, it's obvious to me that some people or some businesses um, might be missing some of the application style as well. When you, when you talk about like the low barrier to entry, like I, I think you and I are probably both going to be in agreement on, on this one, but uh, what are some of the low barriers to entry that you see a lot of coaches are messing up and where it might be actually like hurting clients too? Um, right. I, I think I, I see it all the time where somebody is either really pretty and they like fitness and health and they're like, oh, like, let me go get a certification. But yet, you know, they really have no knowledge as far as right. like how to apply what they know mm -hmm. because certifications are so easy to come by nowadays. And then you can slap coach on your Instagram title and then all of a sudden people are going to come to you because you're really skinny and pretty and have abs. Yeah. Therefore, you must know what you're doing. So what what is it where you think we as an industry could probably go and actually make it a little bit um i don't want to say tougher but make the barrier a little bit harder in the sense of really finding out who's invested in this versus mm -hmm. just trying to make a quick buck because they know that they look good that's a, a great question i want to lead off by i just want to express my gratitude for the low barrier of entry because <laughs> if it were not for the low barrier that it, I wouldn't have been able to start this side thing and then have it become my calling, become my career. Um, I don't know if I have any specific suggestions. Like it, it almost sounds like regulation a little bit and I don't want to go there. <laughs> I don't I know. Will leave politics like, out clearly, of like we're in a different sort of culture now where we're in the creator, creator culture now. So like you can create, uh, you know, if some people are really good or pretty or any of these things and like, I have I have people I'm thinking of. There's people out that I've seen that are capitalizing on certain certain aspects of who they are, and that's fine. That's okay. It, We're it's just, at booty it's just yeah, maybe. <laughs> uh, that, where's that peach emoji? <laughs> nah, man. Uh, it's it's dump trucks now. Uh, dump trucks is what we're referring to the pizza as now. So beep, 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 back it up. Um, oh man. Um, Kind of lost my train of thought that's okay <laughs> it, it becomes a little dangerous whenever there's a lot of unsolicited and maybe uneducated advice that's given out and and like very personal people i, I think another issue i've seen is using a personal story to sell uh, a service and, and like, that's part of sales and marketing too. Like, can you strike any emotion? Um, I, I certainly don't have any, any industry spanning suggestions, at least nothing that come to mind. Uh, you know, it would, it would be great if like the platforms like Instagram, these things had some sort of verification process. Uh, yep. Maybe, you know, maybe it's not like the blue check mark, but maybe it's, it's like, if you're going to tag your, like your account as business fitness, and like maybe there's some sort of like verification process that could um, that could help. Again, that that would you can still get a, a cheap certification. Um, that would be one thing. You know that that's one thing. I I don't I don't think I've ever really struggled with imposter syndrome. But when I decided to get a level one and then get a level two, it it wasn't like you won't really see me splatter my my letters all over the place. Um, but that was a self, that was a decision I made as a, as, as my own business person, as my own coach to, to give myself the own credibility, um, to, to actually have more influence or, or like to be actually stronger as a coach. And so for me, like I knew if I wanted to separate myself from the mass at this point, it, it wasn't just the certification. It was actually applying myself to the certification. So it's impossible. I, I know that out of my cohort of, like L2 coaches that were in there, I, I could see some coaches who were really, really there and some coaches who were just kind of there. Yeah.
So. Yeah, I mean, I, I, I think in this day and age, you know, we, we all can create whatever business we want to, right? And and I love I love mixing a little bit of like business talk because I am a business owner now and and also nutrition here. And, and this is why I love kind of flipping back and forth because I always find a correlation between the two. And I think the big thing for me is just always people when they see a low barrier to entry are going to try to take advantage of it, I think, to make a quick buck. And it's almost like for me... Coaches now are, are very similar to contestants on the Bachelor series or the Bachelorette, right? Like how many people are actually going on this show now after 20 some odd years and actually looking for love compared to the clout now, as, as we call it. And they're just trying to, you know, increase their brand. And, and so for me, it's one of those things where people are just trying to find that low barrier to entry to find out how can they make some money? How can they grow their brand and become a brand. And while I don't think there's anything wrong with that, um, I just always find this moral dilemma between are you actually doing it for the right reasons mm -hmm. versus are you actually just doing it because you're trying to make money and then eventually you're going to go off and, and try to be a celebrity, so to speak, um, or Instagram famous or an influencer. Um, and, and I think it's a fine line that we're starting to see in our industry, you know, um, I, I don't know if you've ever looked at the stat or not, but only um, I, I believe it is um, 90 percent of coaches only last about two years in our industry. It's like crazy because we, we have such a high turnover because so many people think they can do it and their heart's not really in it. And then you see them come in, they struggle and then they mm -hmm. leave. Whereas if you come in and your heart's fully invested in it and you can stick through it. Um, you'll actually see a, a really big return down the line. But I think so many people think that it's easier to to make more money in this industry than it really is. Because mm -hmm. if, if you're not a good coach, people are going to see right through and you're going to struggle. But if you are a really good coach, then you can do really well and, and really create some, uh, I think, lifelong changes in clients that you work with. Yeah. And I think you have to be pursuing that over the money first. Because if you're not pursuing the actual help of people and fixing their health and their nutrition and their relationship, not just, you know, emotionally, but mentally around food, around exercise, around their lifestyle, then you're, you're just selling macros in a way, or you're just selling anything that somebody can go on Google and actually research and know. And so for me, I think you have to, as a coach, go deeper and deeper with clients nowadays. And it can't just be here. Let me change your macros. Mm -hmm. You actually need to start changing lives in order to be able to sustain being in this industry, unless you want to go work for a corporate gym. Um, and, and if you do, that's cool. But I think you're kind of limited there. And I don't want to get down that rabbit hole of working for corporate gyms mm -hmm. uh, <laughs> and what they do to a lot of a uh, lot of online coaches. So but uh, but dude, to kind of kind of shift um, conversations here, because I, I know when we talked last week, uh, kind of getting to know each other a little bit better. Um, you know, you came up with something that I thought was really cool and, and you called it the six ingredients of health. And so I, I want to kind of dig in a little bit for our audience on what those six ingredients of health are for you and, and how you kind of came up with it. What does that look like? I, I love this. Um, so I, I can only take credit for part of it. So I'm going to I'm going to also shout out back to Precision Nutrition. I start off uh, with a precision nutrition certification. And I really liked just their method methodology. It was sustainable. It was habit-based behaviors. Um, so that's kind of just where I, I really enjoyed that a whole lot more than where I came from, where it was macros. Um, so precision nutrition has come up with what they call deep health and it is six. They, they refer to them as dimensions which makes total sense. Uh, there, you know, it, it's, you can kind of enter each dimension and improve there. There's a lot of uh, interconnect, you know, interconnectivity between them. I've I've like slightly brought it to ingredients. I I, I wrote an article not long ago for a local fit, fitness magazine. So I, I I like to put my creative spin on as much things you know as much as I can. So I wrote it as if like we were sitting down at a table, and we were and um, and so like how do we build uh, a great m meal of health? And so I, I was like, all right, let's add ingredients. So I've taken Precision Nutrition's deep health dimensions and just kind of relabeled it ingredients. 
However, it because I started as a nutrition coach, this is exactly why I'm shifting to more of a health coach with nutrition kind of being the, the specialty that I'll serve up. Um, so yes, I'm, there, there is a, there's six of them. There's, I'm going to kind of go through them in a very specific order. It's just the order that makes the most sense to me. Uh, yep. you know, we could draw a linear line. We could draw a circle, a pie chart. They, the, the fact is that they all connect. So, um, I'm just going to go through them in a specific order. Yeah. Sounds good. Let's do it. Yeah. So the, the first three are kind of like self human, what, what we normally perceive and the most, uh, this is both a, you know, for better or for worse, physical health is, is the first ingredient. Physical health is what a lot of us are really comfortable talking about. Um, it's taken, you know, we've had decades worth of, you know, uh, you know, four, five, six decades where bodybuilding has become big and people have just gotten interested in fitness, nutrition. Yeah. You know, fitness was definitely the first one. Working out was really popular and, you know, nutrition's kind of lagging behind, but it's still there. People a lot, people know to uh, eat less, move more, for, for example, just to just to lose weight. Everyone knows this. So it's really common. That's why I start with physical health. Um, I like to expand it from from eating and exercise a little bit more to uh, like movement, nutrition, sleep. Those are the three big ones that really help our physical health. Um, but like there's other things that matter too. Like for instance, like hygiene, like hygiene is part of physical health. So it, it, right. it's deeper than that. But I like to think of um, eating, moving and sleep. I think it's easy to start with physical just because most people have familiarity with it. And uh, later we can even talk about like some habits that actually kind of parallel with these ingredients so that people can actually walk away from these six ingredient concept and then actually put into place like habits that support them. So we can talk about that in a bit. So the first ingredient is physical health. Um, the next two I'm going to say at one time, and there, there's a special reason that I'm going to mention them together. I think we could really dive into them as well but mental health and emotional health. So I think we can both agree and hopefully everyone in the, you know, in your audience can agree that mental health is finally getting some momentum, which is an amazing thing. Uh, people, you know, I think if it was started from COVID and lockdown, people will realize, Oh wow, my mental health is fragile or, or it's, it's like very apparent right now because there's, you know, less physical interactions and, you know, less community that was going on. You just like mentally people were doing, you know, a little tougher. So mental health and emotional health. The reason I, I bring them up together is I have a little bit of a bone to pick with our <laughs> healthcare, uh, health, fitness industry. I think, do you mind if I share this bone to pick? Cause I, I think everyone kind of needs to hear it. Yeah. I, I mean, I, I love picking some bones. Uh, yeah. I, I I think it makes it a lot more fun to discuss like the the beef that we have with certain things. So let's get into it, man. This could be a fun conversation. <laughs> so the health and fitness industry makes a ton of money, right? A lot yeah, of it's a sixty like, billion dollar industry. A lot of it supplements. Like obviously, people know I need to go to the gym, so like gyms exist. Yep. Um, physical health is generally easy to sell at this point. Whenever it comes to the other dimensions of health, people are, or other ingredients of health, people are starting to kind of like get them. I, I can think of like um, a ton of them. Like uh, if you read James Clear's Atomic Habits, he gives you like it's habits. So he talks about environments and all this stuff. So like people are starting to realize like there's other ingredients of health. And um, specifically recently, I think the health industry is kind of starting to capitalize on the the phrase mental health yep which it's great that we're talking about it but just to just to play devil's advocate there's also money to be made yeah and and i'm not here to to say that i'm not trying to make money on it either but i'm trying to do it in a positive manner what what i've realized is that emotions are not fun to talk about people are i think as humans, we're a lot more guarded towards our emotions and less so about our mentality. Um, there's something that's like more soulful maybe about emotions, but
but I think there's a lot of emotional health issues that are being relabeled as mental health because mental health is easier to talk about. And, yeah. and, I, and, and I can think of like two examples in the last week, personal examples of how understanding this difference now has been really helpful for me. So I mean, what are those I, two examples? Like, let, let's dive into it a little bit deeper. Like, what are those yeah, two examples? Absolutely. Uh, and, and I think it's helpful if I give my examples because I'm really uh, intimate with this knowledge right now. And hopefully other people can recognize it. Uh, about a week ago. So I work inside of one of our local gyms and um, I'm an administrative, but I walk the floor. I give cues, all the stuff uh, during classes, too. I'm just not the coach on the floor. Yep. And uh, I, I misstepped and spoke maybe a little bit ahead of the coach that was on the floor. And uh, he gave it about two or three minutes. And then he came, he approached me and he, he didn't correct me. He just stood up for himself. He said, Hey, this is, this is what you did. This is how I perceived it. And this is why like, I'm just, it wasn't, it wasn't super mean or anything, but he was standing up for himself. So right there in the moment, natural human reaction was like, get guarded, get defensive, get upset. Right. And yep. so that's fine. I was like, if I, if I am emotionally healthy, I can realize that that was a moment of, of, of guard of being upset. Like it was an emotion. So for 24 hours, I was upset, but I was able to realize this is an emotion. This is not affecting my mental health. What we can say about mental health is like, that's how you think that's logic that is problem solving, that is memory. And then over here with emotions, that is sadness. So it's easy to think like, oh man, like my mental health is not doing great that this week because like I made this mistake and now I just feel cruddy. Um, so that, that was a moment where I was able to get through it faster just by admitting this is, this is an emotion you're feeling, sadness. Yeah. Um, another example in the last week was I decided I'm very connected to a community and I, I decided to stand up for something I believed in. It was very uh, um, I, it was a reminder to the community and uh, people really reacted to it. And it, it surprised me because in no way was I trying to create a division. No, in no way was I trying to upset anyone. But I was again, I was affected uh and I, instead of it letting affect my whole week, getting in a rut, I realized I talked to some friends. So these are all connecting with my other ingredients. Um, we fleshed it out. And again, I just realized this is an emotion. This doesn't have to cloud how I think. This doesn't have to cloud my values. It doesn't have to cloud my physical ability to go to the gym again. Again, I named it as an emotion. It was sadness. It was upset. Um, so yeah, when I, when I see there's a lot of things that are involved with anxiety and depression. Um, those are, those can manifest physically and mentally. I'm not, I'm not going to say it doesn't, but whenever it's more of an emotional thing and we try to wrap it under another label, I think that is both dangerous to the industry and also dangerous to self label yourself in the wrong ingredient. Like you should be able to know, okay, I have knee pain. That's kind of obvious, right? It's a physical thing. I can kind yep. of admit, and that helps me realize that, like, you know, my it doesn't necessarily affect how I clean my room. Like, it's knee pain. So to do the same with with mental health and emotional health, like, for instance, you can. So, be so would you say would you say the the mental side is being picked on more than the emotional side? And so nowadays, especially since COVID, I, I know you mentioned that a little bit earlier that we we just started taking our emotions and labeling it as mental health. And while they do intertwine, people are now really having a hard time separating the two and understanding what they are. Correct. Absolutely. So, like, so, so what do you do with clients who like, do you go over this with clients as far as like trying to help them with both their like emotional and their mental health? Absolutely. Um, I'll, I'll give them options at every, at every, um, at, a, at every meeting. And, and if, in if I can like start to feel like they're talking about one thing, but I'll, I'll actually have a timeout and, you know, I'll say, hold on, let's have this quick conversation just so that we can, figure out that like some of these things are separate and right. uh, that has, that has been really helpful. Um, like just to talk about mental health, 
um, or or like how it can get cloudy. Like social media is a huge one right now where yep. you can you can like look at your phone in a screen for a long time and then look up and realize it's like really hard to see. It's really hard to think clearly. And obviously sometimes it, it triggers like emotional reactions, stuff like that. But I've even I've even been working with one client where we could have talked about nutrition all we wanted, but uh, just through conversation, this person realizes I've been comparing myself a lot to other people. Oh God, that's that's a huge one. I, I think I I I started to to go in on that. I, I think this morning a little bit on on one of my uh, Facebook and Instagram posts, and I I think it's the number one driver nowadays that leads to a lot of I think emotional and mental health issues is the social media game, the game of constantly comparing ourselves to yeah. somebody else, comparing ourselves to what somebody else looks like. So now we need to fit into that mold instead of actually just kind of finding out who we are as our authentic self. And I, I think that is a avenue that we as coaches now are really having to start to intertwine what we know about health and fitness, which is what we're hired to do, right? Like we are hired to know about nutrition give you guidance on nutrition and, yes. and physical health, how to move basically the aesthetic side of things, right? Like when a client comes to you, they go, I want to look shredded and I want to be stronger. And then I need to know what to eat. But what we're seeing, I think in our industry and what you're alluding to, when you start going over your six ingredients of health, and we talk about this most uh, mental and emotional side of things. I, I think what we're having to also do with a lot of people is, if it's too deep, a lot of times I need to refer out to therapists. I have quite a few clients who actually have therapists. Um, I always like to tell them like, hey, I can give you some some thoughts on, on what I would do. Um, Apologies. There we go. No worries. I can always give you some thoughts on what I feel you can do to try to help you out emotionally and mentally. But if it gets to a certain extent, I'll, I'll refer people to an actual therapist to work on mm -hmm. this stuff because it's not actually within our, our scope a lot of times. So mm -hmm. we have to really be careful now as coaches because people, and and I, I don't want to trigger any of my clients that might be listening uh, or anybody that I've ever tried helping, but you know we have to be very careful on the line that we cross now when mm -hmm. we start going into almost therapy like sessions with yeah. clients. And, and what sucks is we as human beings, um, I, I think, especially as men, we we are fixers. So we instantly will try to figure out a way to help fix a client that right. might be beyond our scope. And uh, this isn't me, by the way, trying to take away from how you do your coaching whatsoever. I just want to always be very blunt with people and recognizing like, hey, like, as nutrition coaches, like our aspect is the science of nutrition, the science of strength training or HIIT workouts, your um, physical health. Mm -hmm. And and a lot of times we're starting to have to turn it into the mental and emotional health side of things. And that's a very hard line to explain to people, I think, when they, they come to us as, as clients, that we as coaches, like, yeah, we want to help you on this side, but we can only do so much. Right. And you have to really start to look inward and do some of the work on the inside before you actually are going to fix anything on the outside. I I love the saying of, you know, you have to fix the psychological before you can fix the physiological, because if you're constantly self-sabotaging yourself, you're going to constantly find yourself right back at day number one. And so, you know, we always have to start working on why do we self-sabotage? Why are we constantly comparing ourselves to other people why are we constantly finding ways for us to not succeed and i think most people believe it or not they're so comfortable in failure that when they start to succeed they instantly go back to failing because it's an uncomfortable feeling of winning people that aren't used to winning and they're constantly used to losing have a harder time i think finding success than people that are used to winning and, and I, I say this not to sound harsh, I, and I say this not to hopefully sound like I'm trying to talk down to people at all, but you know, I was very lucky as an athlete early on 
and, and this is where I think also we can talk about like confidence versus cockiness. Mm-hmm. Um, this might fit into that. But I was very lucky as an athlete, and I'm sure you were too playing hockey, where you know, I I happened to win a lot in sports. Like I was very self-motivated to always win. And and that's part of like I guess a lot of men's um identities, which is why we also struggle outside of sports. Uh, I know you said like once you finished playing hockey that, you know, you probably lost a little bit of like who you were in a way. And so when you're constantly used to winning and being the best at something, when you don't know what that's like, I think that people get scared of it. Whereas other people, if they're used to winning and they're not winning anymore, they're going to keep going until they they win again and they know what that feeling is because they crave that feeling. Whereas people that don't really know what it's like when they do start to find it, they can go one of two ways. They can either really lean into it and love it. And now it's like an adrenaline rush or they, they find it and they go, wow, this is uncomfortable. You know, it's that constant analogy we keep coming back to, which is you got to be uncomfortable. You got to be comfortable being uncomfortable. And so I, I think there's so many little ways we can go about this with people, but I, I really do think the more I work with people and the more success they have, they start to feel uncomfortable when they start to win a little bit. And then it's almost like they have to go back to having a goal in order to feel like they're moving forward. Mm-hmm. If they're not constantly going back and having to almost restart to reachieve what they did at one point, then then they like that feeling because they know that feeling yeah, instead of what it's like to stay on that's, top. That's a super interesting uh, idea. And, <laughs> and you can disagree. I don't know. I mean, what are your thoughts? It I mean, It makes sense because if I'm in a journey – with someone and they're looking to make a bunch of changes. I'm really, uh, it's like, I'm really quick to acknowledge whenever we take a step back, I keep reminding like we're two steps forward with one step back. Like we need these moments of stepping back. That's like, that's what allows us to realize that this is like, this is change. And this is how you change for the rest of your life in a positive way. Like that step back is just as important and and not moving forward sometimes is really important too, because it shows that you can stay here instead of going forward or going back. And that's something powerful. Yeah. I, I, I just always want to encourage people to like, especially those that are listening. And it's when you start to find success early on, right? Like, and I'm sure you've seen this with clients and I see it all the time. Like you take a client through basically a restoration period, a refeed, you get them back up to maintenance calories before you allow them to cut. And then you take them through the cut and they look really good. They finally get really lean. And it's the first time they've really felt that success of being lean. Mm-hmm. And then time you try to take it away from them because you say like, hey, like we actually got to bump calories back up. We got to go live at maintenance again. So that mm-hmm. way we can work our way back down and, and look super shredded. Um, you know, they almost get so fearful because they're trying to hold on to the success that they just found. And now you're kind of telling them like, hey, we're going to take it away a little mm-hmm. bit. And it scares people. And so what they end up doing is when you actually allow them to go back to maintenance, they completely fall off the boat because they've been so instructed by social media, by media outlets that, hey, you should always be trying to lose weight. Mm-hmm. Like There's not enough people talking about the actual journey of health and fitness in the sense of, hey, you need to be at homeostasis. You need to be sitting at maintenance calories or surplus you know, throughout the year, you can't constantly stay in the deficit. And so people aren't used to hearing this. And so when you first try to teach them this, they, they just resist, they resist the whole way through. So when you give them that win of finally going through it and cutting, and then you take it away from them, they fall completely apart because you gave them a little bit of success. And now with that success, they don't know how to handle it by taking a step back, even though it is still very successful for them to take that step back in the long-term journey that they're on, which is health and fitness. And so I I think that's something that we have to start really implementing with clients, which is going back and forth with what success looks like in each step of the way, in Mm -hmm. each phase of the game, so to speak, of health and fitness. Because you and I both probably know this. Uh, I I mean, I just happen to make friends, I guess, with more bodybuilders nowadays. Um, But you know, they're not always lean, but they're always prepared to be able to get lean. Mm-hmm. And this is what I think a lot of people have to understand is bodybuilders that you see on stage, they're not walking around like that at all times. They have to come out of that extreme deficit, 
but they're always prepared because they take care of their bodies that in a 12 week period, they can always go back into a cut and get that lean because they're restoring their hormones. They're restoring their body back to homeostasis. And so I think it's an interesting topic to challenge people on, which is knowing where they're at inside their fitness journey outside of calories and how do those wins start to stack up and understanding the emotional and mental side of that. And, and of course we trying to wrap it back around to mental and emotional side, well, but I, know I think that's a very emotional side. It's a good point where I can definitely segue it back for sure. <laughs> yeah. Go for it, man. Sorry. I didn't mean to steal your thunder. No, no, no. That's great. I love, I loved it. You're in your, you're in your groove there. <laughs> it feels uh, like you and I are, should be taking the responsibility to um, like have this conversation earlier in someone's journey. And, and I, and I go so far as before we start working together, I talk about all these things. You, yep. you, a few, a few points I wrote down whenever you're talking is like, we have to have the understanding of scope of practice. Um, where, where, where does my scope begin? Where does my scope end? And so just, just for example, I, I work with someone and they mention their therapist or they mention that they're working with therapists. Now I, I'm not jumping up and down like super joyous. Um, cause you know, they're seeking out help or whatever, but I'm, I'm happy that, that like, I can hand off my where my scope ends. They have someone else. They have another professional or they have someone else in their life that that can fill in that part of it. And that's super important. Uh, right before we even start a journey, I will use I will talk about deep health. I will talk about the biopsychosocial model, which, again, is your physical, your mental, your social side. So we're talking about it from the very beginning. And I'm and I'm super willing to be honest in the beginning and say, I'm willing to sacrifice the precision of your level of change for the longevity of your, of your level of change. It's very rare today that someone will walk away from that. And I think it's probably just like who I want to work with and who I'm like, uh, who I aim to help change. And so I'm willing to sacrifice that level of precision for that level of longevity. And that brings me to another topic of like being very strategy based versus lifestyle based. Yep. Um, I, there, there's a ton of strategies for you to improve your physical health. Uh, and, and so, but like whenever it stops working is because it was probably just a strategy where, whereas like lifestyle, like a bodybuilder, or, or for example, or a CrossFitter, like they have a lifestyle that, they only have to tweak a little bit in this direction or that direction in order to go this way or that way. Um, they have strategies that help them, but the strategy ends and the lifestyle is, is still built in. And so that's, those are the things that I'm, I'm helping people realize, like if we're going to give up some of the precision of the strategy, we're going to find longevity in the lifestyle. So that's something that we talk about early on. I actually love that because I, I think, we can narrow this down for a lot of people in a very easy to digest understanding, which is there are a ton of diet strategies. You and I can both agree on that. And, and we can list them off and probably keep going nowadays. Cause I swear every time I turn around, there's like a new, new strategy out there. They all work. Um, They're yeah. all right. And, and the reason they all work is because they all create structure for people because people lack structure. Or they crave structure. That's why you see so many people nowadays continuing to do 75 hard or stepping into 75 hard and doing 75 hard. And so what I always like to tell people is you, you have to understand the, the strategy that you use to get the body that you want is great. But if there's not lifestyle implementation within that strategy that you want to continue to do as your long-term lifestyle um, for sustainability, so to speak, then that strategy is only going to work for a brief period of time. Yeah. You and I both understand that we can take care of ourselves from a nutrition standpoint for the rest of our lives because it is a lifestyle for us. We're not just using strategies to get a quick result. Now, at the same time, I have to kind of walk that sentence back a little bit because when I go through a cut, Yes, there is a strategy to it. I create a bigger deficit calorically in order to get rid of body fat. Okay. And so 
It's understanding when to use those strategies within the lifestyle that you have built. If the lifestyle that you have built is not, for lack of better terms, if the lifestyle that you have built does not sustain you for when you're trying to actually get really shredded or not. And for me, you know, like obviously like we work with people who are trying to get lean, Mm -hmm. but if you're, if you're not building that out, then it doesn't matter what strategy you use. You're always going to be searching for a new one because you haven't implemented the things necessary for you to achieve success Mm long-term. So you're always going to be looking for that quick fix. You're always going to be looking for that next challenge. You're you're always going to be looking for the next diet. So you got to start just implementing what you actually want in your everyday life and understanding what strategy that you like to use and when you can reuse that strategy, which for simple terms, guys, when you're trying to lose weight, yes, you have to create a calorie deficit, but there's probably other things before that calorie deficit that you need to fix. And that's when you know you're actually ready for the calorie deficit in order to take your body to the mm-hmm. best or the peak optimization of lean for you. Yeah, I, I love that. Um, a phrase that's been helpful for me as I help other people wanting to change. I want to help people thrive because of their health, not in spite of it. And then you, another thing you, and, and I really want to bring it back to the six ingredients now. We yeah, we still got to get through four, five, yeah, and six. We, we kind of tailwind. We flesh through what I like the first three are very self and you said the word structure and that, that kind of brought me to the next, the next, uh, the next three, but the first, just to recap the first three, the self like me things are my physical health, my mental health and my emotional health. So these are things that are kind of native to me. So you, you, you mentioned like people are looking strategies, like they need that structure. So these next three ingredients very much fall under like structure of your health instead of just your self self ingredients. So the yep. next one is relational health. So this is the relationships. This, this is structure because it's like who around you is supporting you. Who do you have to call if you're in an emergency? Like, you know, you you'll hear things like you're the average of the five people around you. So like relational health does matter. Um, I do believe in that, by the way, I do believe the five people you hang around the most are going to make you who you are. Mm-hmm. I, I like it. I mean, if, if people around me see that I'm talking to them more, it's probably a good thing. Like I want them to rub off on me. Yeah. And I hope, I hope people that haven't, I haven't talked to in a while don't get upset. <laughs> I, it, it's funny that you say that today of all days too, because I was sitting down this morning and I was thinking to myself about uh, one friend that I have that I really enjoy being around now in this current season that I'm in, I I always like to talk about myself being in seasons. And so my current season right now is to really just be around people that I look up to and that are going to make me better. And, and I want to be around those people. And and I have other friends that I enjoy hanging out with, Mm -hmm. but I had the realization that like these other friends that I, I really love and I really care for aren't necessarily pushing me in that direction to Mm -hmm. further myself. Right. I feel like I'm in a place to where I need to be around more people that push me to think differently, to be better, to keep enhancing the skills that I have, not only as a coach, but also as a, as a business owner right. and, and growing things. And so it felt harsh having that thought process of like, man, like I do enjoy hanging out with them if I'm just going to like hang out with them. Mm-hmm. But I want to actually start being around more people that are pushing me to where I need to get to the next level. So I need to be in the room with these people. And if I'm not in the room with these people, I'm almost bored. Like, cause I feel like I can't have the same conversations that I want to have with my other friends because they're just not entrepreneurs. They, they don't want to go work for themselves and there's nothing wrong with that. I, I love them still equally, but I know that for me personally in my growth, I need to start being around more advanced level people. If I want to get to where I strive to be. Exactly. And and that's why you have a podcast now. You're talking to <laughs> you're talking to other minds out there that are are similar but a little different or like push you forward and then you help push them forward. So yeah, relational relational health is ingredient number four. Uh physical, mental, emotional of where me. Then we start zooming out. So the first one yep. is like the people around me, the relationships that I can uh cultivate, that community, that is a uh, relational health. So we'll go to ingredient five. And that's environmental. So we zoomed out a little bit more. 
And that doesn't necessarily mean like the trees and the, and the air, like it could, it actually could mean that, but it's also like these digital spaces that you live in or your physical space. Um, so environmental, and this is where I was thinking like uh, James Clear, you know, yep. uh, you kind of create your, you create your environment. So between the relationships that you have and the environment that you are part of and that you take part of, like those things provide more structure for you to create and maintain and uh, rewrite some of your elements of health. So you can create structure that does it for you. So I, I like to talk about a BAM, a, a, a bare ass minimum. So if I can create this like structure of my lifestyle or my diet or my fitness, if I can create this structure from my relationships to my environment, that just on the worst day possible, I can reach my bare ass minimum. That means my overall health is supporting me instead of me trying to do it, me trying to create health. Does that make sense? Yeah, 100%. And then the last one, you have to zoom out even farther. And this is a very, very tough topic for a lot of people to talk about, but it's your existential health. Some people will say like spiritual, but you can say like, this is your mission. This is your purpose. This is what you're here for. Um, not everyone is spiritual, but this is still a very important part of your health. This, this allows you to exercise your personality. This allows you to make the decisions and to have values that drive you towards being part of something that's bigger than yourself. And so like these six ingredients, there is definitely, you know, zero, there's not a right recipe for this. Yep. The important part is like you can work on any one of these or you can compromise any one of these at any given time. You know, before before we got on, you were mentioning uh, like you're going to a, is it a bachelor party or a wedding soon? Yeah. Yeah. My brother's bachelor parties this weekend. So exactly. So if I'm thinking about deep health in the way that I think about it or coach it, like I would say, Tyler, you you know, like you have the opportunity this weekend like if you get too if you get too uh, over consumed with like what you're going to eat or, you know, not exercising or all this stuff, like you're going to create anxieties that are going to, you know, potentially negatively impact your, your health. But I'm saying, Tyler, you have the opportunity to go away this weekend and actually become healthier. Yes, you realize you might you might compromise your physical health. Like maybe you'll have a few drinks. Maybe you won't eat perfectly. But like you should still be knowledgeable enough to say like, okay, half the time I'm going to pick a pretty decent option. And other time I'm going to like be with my friends. I'm not yep. going to be on my phone. I'm going to like, so these six ingredients were like batteries. Like it's okay to let some of them charge down if you're going to let the other ones charge up. Cause overall it's like, you don't need to perfect physical health because at the detriment of all the other ones. So that's like thriving physically in spite of the other ingredients. Whereas like you can thrive as a human on this earth by working on kind of all of these at different moments and knowing what, like which batteries to charge, which batteries to compromise or ingredients to mix up. So like you can go to a weekend and focus on certain ingredients of your health. Yeah, I mean, I, I love that one as well, because just speaking on when people want to go out and just enjoy life, I, I just always reframe it as, as guys, we have to be human beings, we, we have to go recharge ourselves. When we speak about health and fitness, we can't constantly talk about just the macros or talk about the food. Like, I, I know there's some people out there now, they're like, Oh, like, just, you know, you can't eat that garbage or don't eat that because that makes you feel worse. And it yeah. has this effect on your brain. And I go, but sometimes always eating like that affects your brain negatively too. Correct. Sometimes you just need to eat the fucking cheeseburger. Sometimes yeah. you need to eat 20 wings like me from time to time when I get a craving. Oh. Like, and it's okay. Like, it's not going to set you back so far having one day or even a weekend if right. it's an every now and again effect. And, and I think that's where people forget is that you typically actually feel more recharged when taking a break on your health, which totally. is why I try to tell people to take diet breaks. Um, don't always be so focused on like hitting your macros. Totally. 
There's if this. You, Go ahead. If you come at me with like, hey, I'm not losing weight, but yet you keep taking like the weekends off, like, hey, okay, like, cool, let's have a conversation. I'm going to call you out. Right, right. Yeah. But I'm not going to call you out for enjoying yourself. I'm going to call right. you out for where are your values right now in alignment with how you're living. Totally. Right. And so I think this is where you you could or anybody that's listening could take these uh, six ingredients to health and really understand how to apply them in each facet of their life. And I, and I think it's really important because it's what we try to coach people on it. And I like that you have a structure behind it. Um, I don't technically have a list like this, but I definitely go through this list, I think, a lot with clients just on my own very naturally because that's what I value in my life. I'm not a perfect person 24-7. I go to a lot of weddings. I've been on a lot of bachelor parties. And, you know, there's some times where, like, hey, I'm pretty stressed and I like good bourbon. So I might pop a 12-year, you know, bourbon or whiskey and, and enjoy it with dinner every now and again. Or, you know, my wife and I might share a bottle of wine. But that's recharging myself, being able totally. to spend quality time with people. Totally. And, and I think people don't accept that as much when they're trying to lose weight, that you have to also find your enjoyment in yeah. life before you can actually move forward. Because if you take away the enjoyment of what is life and what brings you that inner joy, then you're going to start hating the actual physical and health side of getting lean. And I think that's why we also see a lot of people fail. They, they don't have enough balance. It's either all in or all out. And God, if I had a dollar for every one of you guys listening that tell me you're an all in or all out person, I would already be a millionaire. I'm just going to say that right now. Like for as many of you guys I get on the phone with and the first thing I hear, I would say at least seven out of 10 of you when I get on the phone with you, tell me I'm all in or all out. And my biggest thing is that just means you have no balance. You're lacking on creating balance in your lifestyle and in your health. And so you don't need to be all in or out. You just need to right. be consistent over a long period of time and have your lifestyle be developed around what you want. So when you do want to be in and you want to say be in a cut, that's great. But then we also need to come out of that and understand mm -hmm. what does life just look like for you, say, eight, eight weeks out of the year? What yeah. does that balance look like? So uh, uh, potentially as an ending thought to like really come back on that and to like under underscore what we just talked about. Yeah. You said the word balance. And so if I'm going to try to give anyone direction towards better health, there is a balance. I, I talk about it very often, but I encourage my, my clients. I encourage the people I talk to my friends and family, like pursue balance. There's this beautiful balance of nourishment and pleasure there 100%. is that is uh, delaying gratification or instant gratification. Life is delicious. Life is really, really good. If and when you start to lean into nourishing your body, not necessarily more, but balancing out nourishing your body. And that means your body, your mind, your spirit, your relationships, your purpose, nourishing those things actually makes life easier more fun, more meaningful. So it's not, it's not easy. N neither of us are here to say that this is easy. We're, we're simply defining what is health. We're defining, here are some strategies that can help get you there. But ultimately, like this life is beautiful and we want you to live it to the best of your ability. However you choose to exercise that is you. That's what makes you, you. We're just, we're here to help cultivate like improvements along those different ingredients. And so like, that's kind of one of the things I wanted to end with for sure. Yeah. A hundred percent, man. I, I love that. I love how you wrapped it all back in too. I, I feel like uh, without doing it on purpose, we, we had a really good start to finish and then let's take you back to the beginning mindset that's with it. the podcast. So I love that, man. Um, well, Taylor, man, um, dude, I really appreciate you coming on, man. I, I know we, we hit the hour mark here and, and you and I could probably go on, for a long period of time um, considering we did talk for almost an hour and 30 minutes the other day. Obviously we had nothing better to do. Um, 
other than talk to each other because we, we got really deep into these conversations and, and it was great to kind of bring it back out to where we can now relay this information that we were talking about for two hours uh, in a little bit more condensed version for the podcast. But uh, man, I, I really appreciate your outlook on health um, and, and I really appreciate you coming on and, and being a guest with us and, and I hope to have you on again. Um, Taylor, if you don't mind, uh, let us know where our guests can find you at, best place to reach you if they want to connect. Um, and and then uh, we'll, we'll go from there. Sure. Um, my number one spot is my Instagram. Uh, you can find me at Masters Nutrition. So that's Masters with an S, Nutrition. Um, I have a personal account, Taylor C. Vincent. I'm heavily involved with the local CrossFit community. So I would encourage people to go check out that. That's uh, at Coda United, K-O-D-A United. So if you're in Norman, Oklahoma ever, which I don't know why anybody would want to go there, but you know, hey. <laughs> if, you're in, if you're in Oklahoma or Colorado, we have a we have a coded gym, but also, uh, you know, also remote coaching for for health as well. So you can find me at Masters Nutrition. Awesome, man. Appreciate it. Well, guys, super pleasure. Thank you for having me on. Yeah, absolutely, man. And, and guys, once again, we'll actually have uh, where you can connect with Taylor in the show notes. So if you need to find them, we'll have those linked in the show notes for you guys. And as always, guys. Leave us a five-star review if you got a lot of valuable information from this discussion. As always, you can listen to us on Spotify and Apple Podcast. And uh, if you ever actually want to see the people behind the voices on the podcast, uh, you can look up Tyler Newton on YouTube. Uh, you can see us there. We do simulcast uh, all of these onto YouTube. So come join us over there. Give us a follow and a subscription on YouTube. And uh, we will see you guys next Friday. Uh, with a special guest and have a great weekend guys. Thank you.